Welcome, 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 wonderful souls to All Things Funny Chat with me, Naomi Gale. And today it's a guest. We have got Emma with us today, which is All Thing Turning 30 coach. Um, I found Emma via Instagram. I've been following her for a while. I loved her journey. And she shared a reel recently, and I jumped on the chance to ask her to come on and chat with us today. You can find Emma on Instagram, but I'm sure she'll share how she can find her. Um, but I love following Emma because I'm also a fellow 30 something. And so I love um, Emma's approach to all things being 30 because it is a taboo in this country for sure on so many levels. So Emma, please introduce yourself. Thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you so, so much for inviting me. I jumped at the chance of being on the a Funny Chat podcast. Absolutely <laughs> love the name of this podcast. And yeah, I just love talking all things funny. So really excited to be here. Uh, as you beautifully introduced, I'm the Turning 30 coach. So I'm a life coach that really focuses on helping women who are about to be in their 30s or already in their 30s who feel left behind. They feel like they're not doing life right in some way. They feel as though everyone else around them is hitting the milestones and doing all of the things and they just feel like they aren't doing it and they feel like they're failing and something is wrong and that's why I step in to help people realize that they're not doing anything wrong it's basically bullshit from society that has come to signal us that we're doing something wrong when really we're all just on our own paths and yeah I work with women in one-on-one in groups to look at things differently and specifically at the moment I'm really focused on a mission of helping women who are in their 30s and who feel like their careers aren't where they want them to be Mm. uh, to find freedom in their career and to set up their own things at side hustles businesses become self-employed so yeah that's that's me Emma thank you so so much I love that that is your focus I saw that you've got a program coming up and I love that's your focus because a lot of people who come into my space they they suddenly realize that they want more for themselves and that generally comes from career life right um and it doesn't matter where where they are on their journey with everything else it sort of always sort of circles back to the career because that's that's where our joy and pleasure comes from day to day is the work that we're doing and the output that we're doing right And so some of us are in a position of, oh, but I'm in my 30s. Can I? Can I? You know, can Mm. I just leave this career that I've done since I was like 21? Uh, (laughs) It's the can I, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's that weird fake thing that we're signaled in our very early 20s that by the time you're 30, you will definitely know what you want to do you would have had it all figured out you're going to have loads in your savings account you're going to be like buying a house probably with your you know your partner and you maybe have some kids on the way and you know it does go back to career like people are signaled from a young age that they're going to have it figured out by 30 and therefore when you're 30 plus and you're like I hate my job or I'm just not feeling fulfilled and not aligned you you then start to have these fake beliefs which are I cannot leave because if I leave at this age, then it means that I'm doing something wrong. It's just obviously it's not true. And we know that. So yeah, it's just a huge passion of mine to help people know that at any age, really, you know, I brand myself as the turning 30 coach, but 40, 50, 60, 70, go and do what you want to do. We have one life, go and go and work, work in what you want to work in. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that message, Emma. I'm so, so grateful to you being here and sharing all of the wisdom that comes from, you know, 
these years as we as we leave the 20s and then we enter into that year of 30 I don't know if anyone's listening to this and they're like 29 it's a it feels big right the 29 to the 30. it's a crisis we go with we go I I the reason I chose to work with the, this age group was a, a lot because I felt there was a huge need for it but also because I had my own turning 30 crisis that started on my 29th birthday when I was all of a sudden like oh shit one year in one year mm. I'm gonna be 30 and and when did this happen so totally it's really is a turning 30 crisis that by the way is very specific to women men I think have it later on in their 30s more around 40 I would say some men have it around 30 for career stuff and more around money but in general it's very it's it's very uh individualized to women because of this pressure of also the decade that you're going to probably bring a child into the world if you want to become a mother uh, or that you should want to do it at this age and yeah women are definitely penalized more for aging than men mm. That's so interesting because they talk about the midlife crisis, right? Society talks about the midlife crisis that apparently everyone hits. And, but they, they, I always think of that for for men. I'm like, oh, the midlife crisis for men. Could you think of them buying like, you know, isn't it societal? Like, (laughs) so ridiculous. It's like, oh, they bought that car midlife in it. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Right? (laughs) And women have the same crisis at 30, I'm telling you. Okay, okay, okay. So interesting. Yeah, I felt I did feel the energy shift hugely. But interestingly, I turned 30 with children, right? So I have children, I bought a house, I have a husband, I still felt it. I still felt it. But for so many other reasons. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, I would I would love to hear Yeah, what your reasons were that you still felt it. Okay, because you did kind of uh, tick off those classic check boxes that you had all the things yeah and I think that this is a really I want to hear you say it first and then, then I'll analyze it okay it's really important because you know there's there's different categories of 30 somethings the ones who do who do have all of the things and the ones that didn't get the things that they wanted and we can often think that the grass is greener on the other side so it's important to hear the other side of the story so go mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so when I got to that point I was like I haven't lived my life enough I was like, now I'm a mother and I'm like on the daily grind, the school run for however many years. I haven't traveled. I haven't explored my career enough. I want to change my career completely. That feels challenging. My husband, have I explored enough penis? I don't know. Have I? Probably not. Um, <laughs> I haven't dated properly, really, in the great scheme of things. It was all those thoughts. And now I'm 30. And so if shit hits the fan with my husband, for example, I'm 30. Do you know what I mean? And that, that those were the thoughts that, that that went round. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, I always say so. I have, like I said, the client who most of the clients I work with are in this category. They've in their twenties. They've gone on their own path. They've done not necessarily done their own thing, but life has just happened and twists and turns of twenties. And then it happens to be that they turn twenty nine, thirty, thirty one, and they're like, "Oh shit! Like I don't have the job I want. I've not met someone. I don't I don't have a property. All those things." And then they panic. And then there's the other category, which is maybe something that you fall into more, which is like, oh, they did do all the things, but they still feel like, is this it? Mm-hmm. And I work with a lot of women also who have children who uh, question themselves. And it's almost like the questions happened after they did all the things. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a really 
it's evidence that we all have human brains and our human brains are literally no matter what the circumstance is going to tell us something negative it's just the truth of what what it is it does not matter whether you hit those check boxes or not our happiness does not come from the husband the kids the, the all the milestones the engagements or things like this it just doesn't it might temporarily give us happiness but our overall enjoyment as human beings comes from our thoughts not from our circumstances a hundred percent and that is what triggered me into this work more and more and more because I realized that on paper <laughs> you know on paper I had it all and then I was like wait wait none of this is bringing me happiness my relationship with my husband doesn't bring me that much happiness because I'm putting so much on that relationship and my children oh I went on such a long journey to have my children so I should so I should be happy right (laughs) I had to go on a fertility journey so I should be so bloody grateful you know and so it's all of those and then I went there's something still missing there's something huge oh wait it's because I'm not happy from within and everyone goes oh that's so cliched but truly deeply I'm not saying and I always say this we can't be like okay now I fully love myself okay (laughs) like that's not it but I'm saying that I needed to come back to myself and find my identity who I was because I'd lost it as a result of being a wife, being a mother, what, who, who, you know, and, and also being a slave to the, the career that I had before, not really ever being able to let it go. So I was like, I know, I know, I need to do this work. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. start working with the vagina. But I, I do, I do love the fact that um, I've got a British person on the podcast, Emma, because you know, you said you love Fanny Chat. <laughs> well, I've had three American people on before that, and we've discussed Fanny right because obviously Mm. fanny means ass in america i know i heard it on one of your podcast episodes and i was like what yeah why yeah so so i'm really glad that you're like on board with the fanny not that they weren't on board they were like it's very british but then sometimes i feel like i'm too british so i'm really grateful that that we can discuss fanny oh no i'm i'm a huge (laughs) fan of anything british and british slang bring me all the words bring me all the fanny chat (laughs) I'm really grateful for you speaking to that and thanks for um, giving me a bit of coaching there and I really appreciate it bit of um, chat on that because it is fascinating how we all all get to this um, milestone and it's so different for everybody but we always look at everybody else like you say the grass is always greener right always 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 <laughs> always, always that's I, I, I always say that if I wasn't the turning 30 coach then really I am the comparison coach because mm. I think that at this age people just all of a sudden start to become hyper 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 sensitive to what other people are doing because at the end of the day you know we all we all until our mid-20s usually have a similar journey we we go to school together we go to university usually you know we we kind of yeah. go to that on that very typical life path all at the same time sometimes people do gap years and go traveling and, and do more crazy things but in general we're all and on the same trajectory and then we get to our mid-20s and then all of a sudden some people are settling down and getting married and, and procreating and other people are still like doing drugs on their you know trip in Australia or whatever and and when we get to 30 we're like oh my god we can have a group of friends where one of them is a mum, and we can have the other friend that's still doing crazy stuff and it's like it creates this huge opportunity to compare and often that comparison can be really debilitating and it can also just really throw up a lot of questions for ourselves so I work with a lot of women to really address that comparison 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes so much sense. It's interesting that we're chatting after I've been watching um, that Indian matchmaking program. Love it. Honestly, can't get enough of Seema, to be honest. Do you know oh, what? She had, she had an she on Instagram account, you know, nearly 100,000 followers. Have you seen this? Oh, she's definitely like an amazing entrepreneur, like businesswoman. You can just tell that she's just, the fact that she's got her own TV show on Netflix. I mean, come on. Well, she was worth, apparently, I mean, this is Google, so we don't really fully trust, but she was worth 5 million before she even did Netflix. God, because it's very lucrative because in Indian culture, it's just so, it's a thing to be match made. It's fascinating but the language on that show is fascinating as well because I was just thinking last night about how much the women on there versus what the men talk about on there is like the women are like oh you know my family is going to be disappointed or are disappointed that I don't have the children and my sisters have the children and you know there's there's so much pressure on them and they talk about that pressure and I just find it really really fascinating to to listen to them and um but then also see the see the women on there that are standing their ground and like unless this is what I want then it's not happening right it's almost like they're thrown into the dating world they don't really want to bloody be in it (laughs) totally I think that's a lot with uh with with different cultures and religions I'm Jewish and it's like it's you know I'm I didn't grow up in a religious community. I didn't have to be match made or anything. Um, you know, could choose my own partner. But there was this like really intense pressure from the community in general and also from that family cultural specific dynamic that is like, yes, you must find a specific partner of the same religion and it has to be by a certain age. Like all of my friends from home got married, got engaged at the age of 26, married at 27, and I'm 35 and single. So it's like, I'm an alien to them. And it's very specific. I think it's really relevant that you brought up Indian matchmaking because when I watch that TV show, I'm like, they need to do this also for for the Jewish community, a TV show on it. Because yeah, like it's crazy to be that person in the community and be different. And to be a woman that's like, actually, you know what? I don't really want to get married at this age. I'm happy to do my own thing. And then it's seen as like, you're like a woman's scorn, you know, oh my God, like, how can you be so different? Mm. Uh, So yeah, like I definitely resonate with the TV show because of that. Mm, That makes so much sense. And so what I actually, this is the perfect lead in for the big question that we're going to discuss today. So the, the, that's what I find really interesting is the scorning of the woman that, oh my gosh, it's gone against what, um, you know, is deemed as the, the, the normal trajectory. So the reason I got in touch with you, Emma, was because you've recently frozen your eggs. And I find this topic something that's not discussed enough. And it is a taboo. And it's like, oh, oh, she's gone to do that, has she? Oh, right. We pause here to discuss all things Metamorphosis Workshop. The Metamorphosis Workshop is all about loving your body, enjoying sex again, and knowing your worth. When we talk about being worthy, when we talk about having these desires, when we talk about these boundaries, when we talk about finding safety within the body, the beautiful side effect of all of this is then being able to enjoy pleasure and have more joy and happiness in our lives this all stems from our roots we need to go back to our roots work with our roots to excavate what it is that's holding us back this is the whole point of the metamorphosis workshop it's three and a half hours to hold you exactly where you are and allow you to really 
unfold in the space, find safety and leave with tangible tools that you can use again and again to allow you to move into life, integrate back into life after the workshop and find this freedom. You can find this workshop on my website www.thisisnaomigail.co.uk. You can also find it specifically at forward slash vagina dash workshop. Oh my god yes I'm so happy you said that it's so true it's like the whispering in there have you heard have you heard I I think in general now it's becoming more and more popular for sure it's becoming more known 10 years ago it would be like oh my god have you heard but funnily (laughs) enough I um, was on the phone to my my grandma who is very I don't know how to explain traditional let's say very very traditional and she did know from my mum that I was freezing my eggs and we hadn't had a conversation about it whilst I was doing it and then I called her uh, after I'd finished the uh, process and we were chatting and I said you know and she got so embarrassed she couldn't believe that I was talking about it you know and and her partner was there her, her boyfriend was in the room and, and she was a bit like I could see her face on FaceTime and she was like oh, oh, oh you know no, no no like let's not talk about fertility and I was like laughing to myself that like, I am literally going around telling talking to everybody about my the number of eggs I froze and like the procedure and people get so uncomfortable and they say how did they get the eggs out and I'm like they suck them out they vacuum them from your vagina and people are like they do not they do not so I'm like yeah they do (laughs) I love this yeah they they people find IVF in general fascinating right they just can't some people are just because it it makes so much sense because you know those who haven't been through it are like fascinated by the whole process like I had IUI for, for some of my rounds and they're like what's that and I'm like it's well time sex and they're like but with a donor sperm I'm like yeah and they're like what is it like penis through the wall I'm like no they just just insert the sperm right well how do they do that you know it's like the constant questions isn't it it's like never ending when you open that kind of words <laughs> and people just it's because it's t- it is still taboo and people yeah. get uncomfortable talking about things that are personal yeah and egg freezing has the additional layer of taboo that not only is it you know, for IVF people are obviously like weird about the process and can that can feel taboo to talk about it but egg freezing is like even more so if it's for somebody 100%. who's doing it for as a single woman who's chosen an elective procedure to do it is like you're doing it like what what does that mean about you that you're mm. single and you've not met somebody so now mm. you're choosing to take control of your fertility yeah. that in itself is also taboo Oh, hundred percent. And so this is the question then, Emma, what was it that got this to this point going, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to freeze my eggs. Was there something particular? Has I just, is it, was there, is there something that you're like medically or was it just actually, I just want to go through this process because I feel that that would give me more security. Like what was it that really led you to that journey? It was a breakup that happened a week before my 33rd birthday and I really I've been with the my ex for almost four years and and I just presumed and we'd spoken a lot about bringing children into the world and it was it was like, okay we're, we're gonna do this at some point soon mm-hmm. and when I went through the breakup I started dating again and I was like daddy hunting that really it was like the first few dates that I went on that summer was completely like okay I just need to find somebody who can be a really great dad and it needs to happen straight away and it really felt that intense pressure that I was putting on myself to meet that person and it really it shows up in dating when you're stressed about fertility and you're stressed about meeting somebody in a certain amount of time 
which a lot of women I think in their mid to late 30s can can struggle with yeah it's like a really destructive way to date so then I can't remember exactly oh I do remember sorry my I have a client one of my coaching clients I was really coaching her through her egg freezing process now she's a huge advocate for it she'd been featured in a magazine about it and she was I was really helping her to go through her third round and when she was talking about it and we were having really long sessions about it I was like you know what this actually is something that I want to consider and then about three months after that I decided to do the fertility MOT so that's the point where you just you go and check and see how fertile you are Mm. and I am such a huge advocate for it if you are a woman you know I'd say 30 plus I think before unless there's a specific medical reason I don't think you necessarily would need to but again if it's really bothering you and sitting on you like sitting with you then do it but if fertility is something that is bothering you and is affecting you in some way with your thoughts, you have the option to go and check if it actually should bother you mm-hmm. because all women have different levels of fertility. And I think that we have knowledge is power and we can basically go and see. And I decided, okay, I want to check. I want to see, is this something that I need to be worried about? Or do I have more time? Mm-hmm. And I went to do the fertility test and very gratefully everything was normal for my age, if not better than normal. And I felt really relieved and very grateful. And I sat with the doctors and I heard about the process and I, and and they agreed along with me that I didn't need to do it right now, but it was something definitely to consider because if you're going to freeze your eggs at some point, the sooner, the better, your Mm -hmm. egg quality and quantity does decrease over time. So if you're going to spend money on it, if you're going to invest in it, you may as well just do it now Mm. and that was their general party line in the hospital and but I was like busy swanning off in Costa Rica remote traveling I had an amazing winter and was doing my own thing and I said I'll deal with it when I get back so actually from the time that I went through the breakup and decided that it was something I was ready to take control of to the time when I actually froze my eggs was two years okay and I did start it I did aim to start it um in January of this year so now we're speaking and it's October 2022 so in January 2022 I was all geared up and ready to go and then the pandemic had another wave and it was the Omicron virus and then basically the hospital were like you might have to cancel it halfway through and you have to therefore pump yourself full of drugs and if you get corona and everyone had it it was like one you know those weeks when you like didn't know one person who wasn't testing positive mm-hmm. and I just was like no now it's not the right time swanned off again to to Mexico and Panama this time and then when I got back I was like okay now um and then that's why it took me until August to to actually go go for it and do it mm-hmm. and Emma how how was the process for you overall did you find how did you find that process because you also we were speaking before the call that this wasn't something that you were doing in the UK I think this is something that people need to be really aware of that this wasn't something that you've done in the UK maybe you could speak to perhaps why not the UK and you know how the process felt when you were doing this abroad I think that'd be really useful okay so in terms of where I did it and I think that it, it is important. Firstly, I'm I'm based in Tel Aviv in Israel. So it made sense for me to do it here because this is my hometown and the hospital was near my house. And, and I didn't, you know, there was part of me at one point that did consider, should I go back and be with my family? You know, my mum can look after me when I'm going through the process and mm. uh, maybe UK is an option. And then the minute I Googled the prices of it in the UK, I was like, absolutely not. 
because mm. it's way more expensive in the UK mm. uh, than it is uh, in Israel. And the US is the most expensive. I think that that's what I understand from people also who've done it in the US that that's way more expensive. I know, and I know people who go from the US to the UK to to do it. Mm-hmm. But in general, I know you mentioned about Greece, and I think in other countries in like in Europe, especially in Eastern Europe, are yeah. much cheaper. And here in Israel, they're, they're huge on um, anything to do with procreating. They just love it. They every genetic test is included is free like everything and even though it's still private and you pay for it yourself it's it's heavily subsidized in terms of the the cost is much lower so even though it was going to be harder to navigate it in another language I do speak the language here but I'm not fluent it was for me it made most sense and I was really happy with it with the process with the way that they dealt with it the doctors and nurses were the nurses in particular were amazing felt really supported and it you know in that respect it was it was a good decision to do it so I would recommend to somebody who was considering doing it abroad to check options but Mm. take into account that if you do it abroad it you're gonna have to go for the initial consultations and tests and things probably you'd have to do that in the same country there would be a gap that will be period dependent it will be dependent on your cycle for when to start and there would be a recovery period so it's something to consider that it might be months to live somewhere else if that was something that you were happy to do if your work would allow that if it's something that was a possibility for you and then also consider that if you then were to then eventually defrost those eggs and, and use them then you would have to pay for the transfer of them back to your country of origin or do the IVF process in the specific country mm. so they're just some things to consider mm. and the other question you asked me was how was the how was the process? I mean, I could speak about it for another 10 minutes. Am I, am I talking too much about, about it? I absolutely adore <laughs> listening to you, Emma. No, the process, maybe just, yeah, go through the process because I don't think people are aware of, of what, what's entailed, right? Like, okay, so we're going to freeze my eggs. Then what, you and know, what, like yeah, how does yeah. that even look? Um, maybe just speak to maybe like how long, because we've talked about how it got you to start, but maybe like how long did it take perhaps for the process for you overall? It's different for so many different people because obviously everyone's cycle is different. And like you said about all the logistics of where you're doing it, but maybe just give people an idea um, of the kind of time and, and um, emotional investment in that, you know. Yeah. Wow. Emotional investments. It's a whole other story, but I'll talk more about the the practical stuff first, the procedure. So the way that it works is that you do all the fertility MOT and the tests and everything, and then you are starting it. And in terms of the time frame, when you want to start it, it will be your choice. Like it depends mm-hmm. on the hospital and everything. But for me, it was like, once I'd have everything ready to go, you do all the right, the checks and everything. Then it was just a matter of coming on your period so you've got to wait for your next period obviously my period was late because my body was like waiting for it to come and it was funny because I I actually uh, froze my eggs at exactly the same time as one of my closest friends in the same hospital she also lives here and she was due on her period about four days after me and I was late and she came on three days before me and I was so annoyed (laughs) it was like it was like a competition and we were waiting to both come on our periods and every day and when you're waiting to come on and I'm sure that you know this it's like every twinge every like time you have like an ovary pain you're like fuck. so that was fun so then you wait until you get your period and then you call the hospital and then you go the next day and this is basically what you're doing for the whole run-up until the procedure is you're they're monitoring you every three days by doing blood so they're checking your hormones and your blood and also and my god I really don't know the word an intra 
vaginal scan yeah yeah, so yeah. That, that's when you have the the wand to up your fanny and they're counting the follicles so each follicle is an indication of an, a one egg and what they're trying to see is that you inject yourself with hormones throughout the time and I'll talk more about that in a second and then every three days it was maybe every four days uh was very dependent each time they they told me a new time to come in you then therefore are monitored and checked and they adjust the hormone prescription depending on how your body is reacting to the drugs Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. every single body is different which it was a really funny experiment that me and my friend did at the same time because we have such different bodies we reacted completely separate in different ways to the drugs and it's like every single woman who goes through IVF who goes through egg freezing can have a completely different reaction and we get so caught up and reading online and hearing people on Instagram sharing you're like oh my god that's going to be me and it's like no your body will react in its individual way mm-hmm. and that in terms of emotions was a big thing because I was like super researching everything and speaking to millions of women who had egg freezing before I was really into doing the research behind it and my body reacted really differently to then what other people have told me so mm-hmm. if you're into this and now I'm going to tell you at some point how my body reacted remember that that was just how my body reacted mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that yours will react the same so you then so after you get your period and you go to the hospital and they check you then start injecting drugs uh in your stomach every day the first few days you're injecting one drug that is to stimulate FSH basically is to stimulate your ovaries, uh, your, yeah, your ovaries to produce more eggs. And then I think it was on the fifth or sixth day, they introduce a new drug. So you start injecting twice. It's the same time of day, but two different uh, hormones. The second drug is like an, an, what's the word? An anti, like, again, it's basically to stop the ovaries releasing the eggs that are being produced yeah 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 and then on so you do that up until the point where they think that there are enough eggs to go ahead with the procedure for every woman it's different but it's usually from around nine day nine or day 10 up until day 14 I know some people may it might take longer it could take another couple of days Mm-hmm. and then on the day that they say okay you've got enough eggs here we, we're happy to go ahead you then do a trigger shot which basically then triggers the eggs to be released from your ovaries into your uterus and then you have a, a procedure now the procedure is to vacuum the eggs uh from you every this is what I realized because I actually started an Instagram account called Emma's eggs which I do mm-hmm. recommend everyone to to go and follow it has my you can see the stories of me doing the injections and, and talking about each day how I felt. And the when you do the um, anesthesia, it's different in every country. So where I was, it was a general anesthetic, a very, very light one. You're only asleep for like 10 minutes mm-hmm. and very quick recovery afterwards in terms of, you know, you feel a bit groggy for an hour, but then you're fine. But some countries do it under a local anesthetic. Some countries do something called a twilight. And I think that's what they do in the UK, a twilight anesthetic, which is a different type of you are asleep, but it's much lighter. Uh, so, yeah, like definitely don't want to scare anyone by saying you, know, you have to go under anesthesia and it's really a, a big procedure. But where I was, you do you do have general and they vacuum them out. And then they, when you wake up, they tell, tell you how many you've got and then they go on ice. And they're just chilling in the freezer until I want them. Mm. 
Amazing. And um, everyone's different when it comes to how many you get. How many did did you get, Emma? That's the question that everyone always asks. Yeah. Well, it was, I, I, I'll talk a little bit about the comparison thing because this links to what we were saying at the start. <laughs> Doing it with my friend was amazing because we emotionally supported each other. Uh, the whole way through and it was very amazing you know we did video calls we're doing the injections and things it was very uh good to have someone there but also then came up the issue of comparison how many eggs are you gonna get and, yeah. and I really really don't like not being the best in class it's like a <laughs> personality trait of mine it was funny because she was three days ahead of me and the nurses were going oh you're responding so well to the drugs you're you're doing so well you've got loads you've got loads and I was going in and I was like I need to also get loads and <laughs> the funny thing is is that she did not have any side effects. Like she just felt, you know, she felt a little bit bloated, but she was fine carrying on with her normal life. I was wiped. I was in bed. I was canceling coaching calls. I was like, could barely walk. I suffered from really bad nausea. I couldn't eat. Like, you know, I was like the worst of the worst. And then I went in and they were like, okay, you're doing well. You're really good. You know, also <laughs> Some women don't even get one X. So there's definitely practicing gratitude here. And I really want to say that for everyone listening who, you know, maybe triggered now because they don't even get an egg to know the story is that I'm just hyper competitive and also just a bit of a dick sometimes. And they were like, you've got a good amount of eggs, but like not enough yet. Or they said to me, you're definitely going to have to do a second round. Right. And they recommend that for each, for if you want one or two babies from the eggs, if you're going to freeze them, you should get 20 eggs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they were saying to me, you've got 10 they're too small and then like right before they were like there's 13 here they were like 13 is a good amount for a woman aged 35 it would be a very good response to the drugs if you're coming out with 10 to 15 x so I was like hey this is completely normal but they I'm very small I've always been the smallest in the class and they were like your eggs are really tiny and I was like for fuck's sake like mm. come on I was I was each night rubbing my ovaries and rubbing my stomach and going come on eggs come on little eggies grow I was, I was doing Joe Dispenza you know trying to imagine that the eggs were growing and and then I go in and my friend had her surgery a few days before me and she got a really nice amount as well and I go in and 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 I was like okay come on like I really hope that all 13 of the eggs are, are big enough that's what I was really focusing on and I'd already decided that if I'd got like 16 or 17 plus then I wasn't going to do a second round because I'd had such a bad reaction to the the hormones I felt so so poorly and I woke up with one eye, you know, from the, from the procedure, from the anesthesia. And they went, you've got 22 eggs. Oh. And I literally was like, what? I couldn't believe as I pulled it out of the bag. I was like, oh my God, it works. The meditation stuff works. And then in the end, three of the eggs weren't viable. They weren't big enough. So 19 went in the freezer. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to do a second round. So I was just beyond great, like beyond, beyond grateful. But again, to anyone listening, it's really normal to do two, if not three rounds, especially mm -hmm. if you're 35 and over. I do have high fertility levels. Again, you, I, I've never tried to get pregnant naturally. So you just don't know if your body is going to be able to go get a natural pregnancy. You do not know until you start trying. Um, but it's, it's can vary for each woman. Some women, they wake up and they have two eggs and some women wake up and they have 25. It's just very, very, individual mm, mm, mm. and I always say to people that I totally understand you know when it comes to the follicles that they need to know how many of those are going to be able to grow on there has to be that that percentage but you know there are plenty of people who might have have less um follicles um and have less extracted and then it's all about the the, the quality 
you know so I think that's what people always think as well when it comes to IVF like the more the more you know when you hear of people saying I've got you know five in the freezer that have got to day five you know when they're fertilized and everyone goes but then it all depends on so many other factors that we don't take into consideration so yeah I'm really grateful um, for you speaking to that Emma thanks so much it's such a gray area and at this well, I have so much to say about it as well. For people who want to freeze their eggs, it's very different from IVF when you then go and put your egg and mix it with a sperm and make an embryo. Because yeah. then you can tell the egg quality. Exactly. With egg freezing, you can't tell. I exactly. did. I decided not to go down the sperm donor route, route at this age, yeah. at this time, because I do hope that I used. I, I won't even need to use my eggs. It was such an insurance policy, but you don't know your egg quality. So those nineteen eggs. I don't know, we could defrost them in five years time and none of them are uh, good quality. So it's always important to remain grounded and not get mm-hmm. focused on the numbers. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, I have a nice story that the client that I was working with who did, the reason she went down the route of egg freezing was because she did a test and at the age of 31, 32, found out she had really low hormone levels and really yeah. low egg reserve. And she was devastated because she was like, really want to be a mum did three rounds of egg freezing to get to the amount of eggs that she wanted mm-hmm. which was really really taxing and got pregnant by mistake at the age of 36 after being right. told she was never going to ever be able to have a baby naturally so it's just right. such important reminders that these things are also uh, arbitrary and you just if the universe wants you to have a child or the universe wants you to bring a person into the world it's gonna happen mm-hmm. and that there is something that you said there about the process being like an insurance policy for you is that how the process felt overall do you feel totally like I really really I believe that I won't need to use my eggs which I know that sounds ridiculous after I've invested a few thousand pounds into the process but there's something about it that is like I believe that I won't need to use them but if we don't know we can't predict the future there's very uncertain things that can happen if I'm just trying to bring a human into the world in eight years time and I'm in my early 40s and I can't great I have them mm-hmm. I have it to uh, rely on mm-hmm. to fall back on but I don't think I'm going to use them and it's a great thing to do to genuinely feel like I have insurance and I can now go out into the dating world and stop husband hunting stop daddy hunting and mm-hmm. just know that you know I'm taking control of it and that's why I've become such a big advocate for it because I think and I see all the time in my Instagram community in my, with my clients with friends that women who are 33 plus panic and when they panic they think they have no options and then they settle and they mm. try to choose partners for the wrong reasons and I really want to spread this message far and wide that it's a it's a privilege to be able to afford to freeze your eggs and it's something that I personally had to save up for and I'm paying it in payments and it's not necessarily like yeah you know just one thing I did just for the hell of it mm-hmm. and it's a huge decision emotionally and physically but it's an option for you and I think that's what I want the message to be is it if it's bothering you night and day think about it mm-hmm. And since you've been through the process, because this was only recent, wasn't it, Emma, really, in the great scheme of, you know, here as chatting about it. Um, so it's quite a raw um, process, really, when, we, when we're chatting this soon on. But I'm wondering, um, how has it felt since doing it? You know, now you're like, there's my bank of eggs. This is the dating world. This is my life. Like, how has it felt? Like, is there any, like, changes that you felt emotionally since then? 
Ah, so I only did it and I had the procedure in September. So it was like mm. the first week of September. Yeah. So now with the we're in October. Honestly, I feel amazing. I'm so mm. happy I did it. Like I feel so grateful. And I feel like it's amazing to know that we have this technology and that we can do these things. It's amazing to just know and appreciate that that exists and we live in an age where we have access to IVF and, and egg freezing and all these crazy wild things we can do now. But there's something really different to knowing it and doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me, when I, I didn't realize how much uh, emotional space it was taking in my mind until afterwards. And, and, and I know it, it was a, it was grueling in terms of the side effects for me. And I didn't feel good. Very short amount of time. The whole thing of not feeling good was 10 days. But for me, even though I felt not good afterwards, the relief and the yeah just pure relief that's how I would describe it and something shifted for me just a huge energy shift and in terms of dating I mean I haven't dated since because I I didn't date when I was um doing it because it was I actually hated men that was one of my huge side effects was that I just absolutely hated men (laughs) could not look at a man the thought of a penis I was like you know (laughs) Oh, honestly, I was like really questioning my sexuality for the <laughs> on the hormones because I was like, men are the devil. Um, and since then, I still think that. No, since then I've been like, yeah, I just don't need to rush now. I just can take my time. And if I meet someone amazing and if not, all good. Like it just feels, there's something really secure about it and a huge shift in energy. I just mentioned before we got on the call, I just was away in Egypt. I went on a week break. The around two weeks after I finished and it was just in paradise just doing nothing lying on the beach and I I don't think I realized how much I needed it to recover and then when I came back I was like oh I just feel different Mm. I love this Emma that's so beautiful and I think that's so reassuring for people who are listening who are like I'm thinking about it but I'm wondering how I would feel you know I'm not saying everyone's going to feel the same but it's just to hear that actually you went through it despite having to lie in bed with the bloat, hating men everywhere, you come out the other side and you're like, I'm so grateful that I got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also like short-term pain, long-term gain. I think it's all these things. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't that fun. Injecting yourself with hormones isn't fun. Mm. And it's just understanding that you have a purpose and a mission and you're going to do it. Yeah, it's, I, d- I don't, when I say, you know, for my personal process that I'm happy I did it and I felt relieved, I don't feel like this is a decision for everyone. I think that, and I even have another client who also was did a fertility MOT. She's, she's younger than me, a few years younger, and she did a fertility MOT and it came back fine. And, and we spoke about it the other day. And I did say to her, you know, you, you don't have to rush. So anyone listening to this is like, oh, Emma said that it's really great and it's fine and I've got the money and I might as well do it. Don't really think about if you if it's affecting your everyday life and you get to the point, then I think you'll know that mm. it's a decision for you, but it's definitely not something to take lightly. Mm-hmm. And also that's like, such a journey to finding the clinic that you feel that's going to support you and where and the logistics of all of that and the time and the space and, you know, giving yourself, like you talked about that mothering that you gave yourself afterwards, like going and lying on the beach and then having that time. You know, I do think that all those factors are so important to take into account because you deserve all that love after you've been through a journey like that. So where's that time going to be? Do you know what I mean? Like all of those factors. I love that you said that. I think I'm sure that you know that from your own journey, but it's so so true it's like 
actually when I was going through it I had to use my own coaching tools on myself and that's always the hardest when you're like oh god I hate the fact that I'm now <laughs> yeah. I've already got the skills and now I need to be like you know now I need to love myself oh, how annoying <laughs> but it's really like it really did help I honestly thought to myself time and time again I'm so happy I have these tools I'm so happy that I could use those mindset shifts and all of the things that I work on with my clients for myself because it's a testing time and for sure you have to live on yourself a little bit harder whenever you go through anything like that Hmm. yeah exactly you know it's not like oh I'll nip to this clinic and nip back to work and you know it's like no give yourself that time and where would that time exist for you you know oh you have to just be so aware of how your nervous system is feeling and also you know as a single woman freezing her eggs it's really hard to it, it I don't I don't want to do down like comparisons to other people in different positions but there's something a bit emotionally charged about it because you're doing it alone most of the time you are injecting and you don't have anyone there to help you and it, it can be really triggering one incident that happened with me is you have to mix one of the drugs yourself. It like comes in a powder with a syringe. Mm-hmm. I couldn't mix it. And each mm-hmm. each one, like each syringe, costs like 50 quid or something. Mm-hmm. And and two of them I dropped or something happened oh. and, and I couldn't do it. And I was having, you know, and I'm crying and I'm so stressed and you've not got anyone there. And, mm-hmm. and it's really hard. And, you know, not to mention that I'm 35. Most of my friends have two, three kids right now. And a lot of my my one of my closest friends is pregnant and she's like six months pregnant and, and complaining to me and and you, you it it adds a whole new layer that you're doing it without other people does that mean I should be pity pitying myself absolutely not but there's something about being really there for yourself knowing that you chose it and also like you you're so strong and I used to put on Sia Unstoppable in the background every time I had to do my injections because I was like come on you're you're gonna do this and you're a fighter and then obviously had a really strong support system of friends and reached out to people and made sure to let other people be there for me so I definitely would say there's a different there's almost like a different emotional charge tag freezing I think Hmm. 100% doing it on your own versus doing it in a partnership is always going to be so challenging you know not being able to see you know it's almost like that I can imagine because I'm like ringing my my husband going like and this has happened and this has happened and this has happened and the trigger shot in your ass I mean it's like next level when I was trying to reach around and, and he wasn't in Athens with me at the world I was like versus doing it right I didn't do the trigger shot was in my stomach I'm like what it was in your ass yeah in Athens it was in your ass and then they were like and get it in the right place and I was like oh, this is oh, so, so when you're when you're on your own you don't have that buffer you don't have that buffer you don't have that so I get it but I want to say I want to reframe it for anyone listening that there's something about not having anyone to complain to, which makes the complaints less, right? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I just want to say it like that because we can really, grass is greener, idealize that like, yeah. if I had my partner, I would feel better. But it's like, no, actually you would probably complain more. Like you would probably just be like more of a baby. Like I know for sure that when I was with my ex, I used to like put a lot of shit on him. And now I'm like, hey, sometimes I put my shit on my dog, but like I don't <laughs> definitely don't complain as much. So it, I, I, I think that it's definitely different having somebody there and yeah for sure being able to text them and 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 complain to them and cry to them but sometimes it's like it's a good thing not to have somebody (laughs) there (laughs) 
I love that Emma thank you so so much for chatting to us about that that's honestly it's it's such a gift that you're prepared to do that and I know that you'll be like of course of course but honestly I've been in the world and seen how much shame and hiding exists in this world and anyone that's willing to talk openly about it and share their experiences it's so cathartic for people so I am honestly so grateful for you today Emma thank you so so much for chatting to us no as I was mentioning before I'm just such an advocate for this for this for this topic and for taking control of fertility and knowing your options so really appreciate being being invited on thank you and where can people find you I know we mentioned your Instagram but maybe just like I'm going to pop it in the notes but just I don't know about you but when I'm listening I like to be able just to hear so if there's um anywhere people can go and learn more about working with you your coaching that'd be amazing so I usually I'm hanging out mostly on Instagram so I'd say go and find me there if you listen to this and you enjoy it or you have any feedback or you even want some specific advice about whether you should freeze your eggs or the process then please dm me feel free to reach out I'm always available there my my coaching page is turning 30 coach which is uh, 30 is the numbers and I also have an instagram account specifically for egg freezing which I do recommend going to check out my journey it's at emma's eggs and in terms of where you can find out more about the work I'm doing and and what I'm working on I have my website which is turning30coach.com and also if you want to hear more conversations about being in your 30s and all of the topics surrounding that such as this and lots of other things then I have my podcast which is the turning 30 podcast I love that thank you so much Emma for being here I'm so grateful thank you so so much thank you thank you so much for listening to all things funny chat I would love if you could support me through giving me a star rating on all things itunes you can literally just take two seconds to give me a quick star review or write a review it means a lot to those who are putting out this content so you can do that you can find me on instagram at this is naomi gale you can find me on tiktok at this is naomi gale underscore you can find my website www.thisisnaomigale.co.uk where you can sign up to my lovely newsletter and on a friday every other friday i send out a pack your tits up email which is filled with beautiful wonderful links and a little bit of writing to support you on that friday when it lands i am sending so much love